Matthew chapter 8 and um, I knew what they were singing and so I I suppose that um, remember something, something Brother Griffin told us in Bible college uh, he said if you feel if you feel an inspiration to preach something he said preach it and so I pray the Lord is in this because <laughs> if he's not it's going to be a it's going to be tough sledding here for the next little while. Um, but that song, I knew they were going to sing it. And uh, I've had it on repeat quite a bit. And my wife is kind of, um, she told Lauren that I had listened to it over and over and over till I about wore it out. And uh, so I'm going to preach to you tonight and just tag in with that song. Why? should I worry and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8 and um, I want the Lord to um, minister and, and, and work here in this place tonight and again our prayer revival starts tomorrow night I, I would encourage you uh, if you can do it is to fast one of these three days next week, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Um, or if you really uh, want to take a challenge at it, just fast all three days. And uh, I'm going to tell you, the Lord, it's amazing what the Lord will do for you if you'll spend some time fasting and, and praying. And uh, so let's read in Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> beginning in verse 23. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, the Bible says, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, that he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye so fear, or why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? And then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And notice that that's not a question. It's an exclamation. And they're, they're, not, they're not saying, what, what manner of man is this? They're saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And I want us to ask the Lord to touch our minds and our spirits here tonight and um, that he would help us to gather in this word and that the purpose of God could be completely lived out in every one of our lives. Lord, your presence is here. I'm thankful, Lord, for what you've already done, Lord, through this day. And I pray, God, that for the next, Lord, little while, God, that you would strengthen, Lord, our faith, 
that you would minister, God, to every person, Lord, that's here in this sanctuary. Or there are a variety of, of worries, and I would say, Lord, even fears, Lord, that plagues the minds and the hearts, God, of these saints. But I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that by your word, God, that you would help, Lord, us to put every single one of these things, Lord, in your hands. We know, Lord, that you have a solution. We oftentimes cannot see it because, Lord, we're so distracted from the storm. But I ask you, Lord, tonight, by your will, that, God, that you would allay, Lord, every fear and every worry, God, that's in our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Why should I worry? And I, uh, <clears throat> I think here tonight that I could safely say that, that every single one of us here uh, in this sanctuary, we, we know this story. This is not a story that is uh, is an obscure story. It's one that that you heard if you came to Sunday school as a child. Uh, you've heard this story about the Lord and the way that He dealt with that storm. I uh, would even say if you you haven't been around the church at all that most of you are familiar with this story where that the Lord calmed uh, the storms and he doesn't just do it back then, he's, he's doing it even now. I have uh, mentioned in, in, in the past uh, Brother Harold in Bridge City and and Brother Harold was probably one of the most uh, masterful preachers I think that I have ever been around in my life. And he, I met him, had known about him by reputation in the 90s, and then early 2000 had the opportunity to really get connected up uh, with Brother Harold. He's now retired, and he's in his early 80s, and uh, his health is certainly not what uh, it used to be in the past. But this text that I've read to you here tonight in Matthew chapter 8, there's a mirror passage that is in Mark chapter 4 as well. Uh, over the course of a 40-year ministry there in Bridge City, Brother Harold preached more than 25 sermons or so from uh, these particular texts, and and uh, all of us here tonight, we we live in one of three places. You are either right here tonight in a storm, you are coming out of a storm, or you're about to go into a storm. That that's where that's just the facts of life. That that's where that we're at. We we spend much of our time having to contend with the storms and, and the battles that life brings to us. Life is not easy. And uh, the older you get, I think the more that you become aware of that 
particular fact that that life uh, is increasingly hard, and and I know this may seem like a strange thought, but uh, sometimes I thank God that He's only uh, occasioned to us seventy years, because by the time you get to those seventy years, you've seen enough of life down here that you're already trying to reach for and say, I know that there's something coming. And uh, that song we sang tonight, Looking for a City, that's what Bunyan wrote about in Pilgrim's Progress. He got that city off in his uh, far-off view, and there was something about it that he was moving in that particular direction of of life. But, but here we see that uh, in the setting here of this story, the Bible uh, tells us, it said that, uh, verse 23, when he was entered into the ship, his disciples, they followed him. Thirteen of those men uh, entered into that ship. We know that four of them were certainly fishermen. But there's a likelihood that there may have been even seven of those disciples that were uh, that, that they had been involved there in, uh, in, in the fishing industry. And, and the Lord called these men, and I think sometimes this misses, we miss uh, this. I'm teaching a class in Purpose Institute about the 12 apostles, and I've kind of uh, had some books that they had recommended. Some of, one of them is a textbook that they're... Uh, used in John MacArthur's book, Twelve Ordinary Men, but there's another uh, couple of texts by J. Dwight Pentecost, The Words and Works of Jesus Christ, and then another old book that's been around for probably 70 years or so, written by a man by the name of A.B. Bruce, and it's called The Training of the Twelve. And I, I know that sometimes that whenever we think about the Lord and the calling of those disciples that we forget. Uh, we know that his ministry somewhere around three years, maybe a little over that, but, but in our minds we don't realize that the disciples were called somewhere around halfway after the beginning of the Lord's earthly ministry. So somewhere around about 18 months or so the Lord uh, call these men and so now that they're with him there had been much miracles that the Lord had gotten involved in and, and various things in that way but now he calls these men to come and to be with him and, and to help him there, there isn't any other plan everything that he has is riding on the fact that these disciples that they're going to uh, continue his mission, and, and one of them is a devil. Can you believe that? That he calls 12, and one of them is a devil. I, I can't, I wouldn't have done that. I'd have tried to find the 12 best I could find, and yet the Lord picked him out a devil, and uh, Judas obviously filled that role there. But they, they get in to this ship. The ship's probably somewhere four to six feet wide, that that would be about maybe uh, these chairs that you're here when they we were buying them. They recommended that we get 24-inch chairs. We could have saved money if we'd have got 18-inch chairs. But uh, they said you don't want 18-inch chairs because 18-inch chairs are about like trying to, that's a, that's a seat that's in an airplane. 
and um, some of us are a little wider than airplane seats, and and so uh, so if you think about this, that each chair is about two feet wide, then that means that somewhere, say, about three to four of those chairs were about the width of that boat, maybe a little more. The boat there, somewhere around 25 to 35 feet long. And uh, these disciples, they get in there, and it's, as the Bible tells us, it's, it's, it's the evening. It's, it's nighttime, and they're, uh, they get into that boat there, and it's not too long uh, before they get there on the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee was kind of in a bowl. And uh, there were mountains that were on the sides of it. And so those winds whipping down off of those mountains at night could create storms there in the bowl, in the, in the bottom of that basin there where that the Sea of Galilee was. And, and so it was that you read the story that the storm begins to settle in. And, and you start thinking about this, about how that the wind... Uh, is is so strong and the waves begin to be at a place where that they almost overwhelm that ship there. I, I've got a feeling that there probably were uh, water that was being taken on and, and they, they started trying to get the water. I'm sure there may have been two or three buckets in the boat, maybe one, who knows. And they're trying to bail and they're trying to throw that water over the side of that boat there, there's a driving rainstorm that's so thick that you can hardly see what's going on. And and uh, here are these men that are in this boat, and they're in the back of that boat. The Bible tells us that uh, the Lord is there, and, and yet here's what uh, we find that's in verse 24. The Bible tells us that he was asleep. Now you start thinking about that. You start thinking about this is the incarnate God. This is Jesus Christ that, as Paul says in his letter to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 3.16, that, that God is manifest in the flesh and yet the most powerful man in the world is asleep in the back of that boat and these guys are flailing around. And, and so we see now not the storm, but... It begins to be that the cry starts to, to overwhelm. The cry, the fear that's in the hearts of those men. The Bible tells us that, Lord, save us. But there's more to it because Matthew writes that, that not only do they say, Lord, save us, they begin to tell about the predicament that they're in. They're, they're, Lord, not only do we need you to save us, we're about to perish. We're about to die. We are about to drown right here in the middle and while we are obeying your commands, and that's sometimes what we forget, that sometimes that even in the permitted or in the commanded path, that the way and the direction that God has told you to walk in, that, that there can be storms that intercept you while that you are there. That's a dilemma sometimes that can get into our hearts. And so it is, the Bible tells us that the Lord was awakened out of that dead sleep and you would think that that the Lord would would raise up and he would immediately calm the sea there but that's not the case that 
uh, is that we look at, at what the Lord has to say there. And here's what the Bible tells us. It says that in verse 26, And he saith unto them, Why are you so fearful? You'd think he would have dealt with the storm. But the storm was not their biggest problem. Fear was their biggest problem. And uh, I, I know I've, I've been around church long enough, and I remember growing up as kids, we'd have evangelists come through here, and, and they'd get some of these Bible characters, and they'd put just a good whipping on them, and we'd laugh, and we'd think it was funny. And, but I'm just going to tell you, I've lived long enough now, and I've read enough Bible to realize that these individuals were much like I am. And I have a tendency to connect up with those guys, and so I can't be critical of them. In fact, I feel very at home with them because I felt the same sort of desperation that these men felt in that boat there that particular night. But yet the Lord doesn't deal with the waves and, and the wind and the storm there. His, his very first issue, the very first danger, oddly enough, was the fact that he is going to deal with their fear. And so it is there in verse 26. Why are you so fearful? Does the Lord ever ask you that? Why, why, why are you so fearful? It's like, Lord, I, I can't help it. I'm afraid. I, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about my children. I'm concerned about... My grandchildren, I'm concerned about people sometimes in the church. I'm concerned about friends of mine that, that are in the ministry. I'm concerned about people that are around me. And Lord, I fear for where they are at. Because I, I know that not only can they fall to their situation, but I know that that the arch nemesis of our soul is sitting back and he's watching for opportunities to pounce whenever he finds us at weak places and at times where that, that our feet are slipping and sliding and he is intent to try to take advantage. That's why I get fearful sometimes. And yet the scripture speaks to that matter. Psalm 55 and 5, fearfulness and trembling are on me. That's what the psalmist says. He says, I want you to know that horror has overwhelmed me. Isaiah 35 and, and 4 addresses those with a fearful heart. And then in the Olivet Discourse in Luke chapter 21 and verse 11, the Bible tells us that Jesus was talking about the days that is coming on this earth about prior to the day of the Lord. He said there are fearful sights that are there. And Revelation 21 and 8 tells us the ultimate end of the fearful and the unbelieving. And I would just tell you that the cry of a fearful heart at times can be such a challenge. Oh, Lord, why? How? What's the solution? I don't see any, any way to work through this place that I am at right now. Charles Spurgeon, that famous Baptist preacher in, that served in London at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, he, 
he said this. He said, the ruling of the hearts is a greater thing than the governing of the winds and the waves. I'd almost say that's almost scripture. That the ruling of my heart is what the Lord is more intent on than sometimes governing the circumstances that surround me and yet their their cry is that Lord save us we perish you've got to help us you've got to intervene you've got to work here where that that we're at and so I just want to just kind of mull through this here obviously here tonight you're not uh, out in a boat you're not in the sea of Galilee and if you want to look and see what it's like get on YouTube and just look up storms on the Sea of Galilee, it's pretty amazing what that even in modern times now guys have gotten out there with video cameras and have gotten in boats and they have gotten out there and they've actually filmed and videoed what takes place there uh, in those storms. And so obviously that's not where we're at here tonight. But, but each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, there, there are storms that you have to deal with and that you have to contend with. What, what do those things look like? Well, let's look at some of those. We can doubt the love of God. That, that, that can be a storm in your life. You, you get into a storm and, and you start thinking, well, does God really love me? I, I'm dealing with these circumstances and I'm dealing with these challenges of life. Does God really love me? I'm here in this storm. You would think that if the Lord really loved me, he'd get me out of the storm that I'm in. He'd take care of the dilemma that's here in our lives. But I'm going to tell you this, church. You can look back at your life and you can realize that there have been times where that the Lord has been ever so patient with all of us here. That there is a part where that, that even though we may have been slow learners or we may not have, have, have got it that first time, did the Lord stop teaching us? Did he stop talking to us? No, he did not. He kept on working with us. He kept on talking to us. He kept on drawing us in. He kept on convicting us of our sin. He kept on drawing us in out of places of backsliddenness. He kept pulling us out of our lukewarm places. He kept dropping revelation of Scripture in our hearts and in our spirits. And yet, we can get in the storm and we feel like, God, do you really love me? And yet the fact of the matter is this, is that the burdens that, that you thought would break you down, they didn't. And the storm you thought was going to break you in two, it didn't break you in two. It didn't drown you. And you can turn around and look and you can say, you know what, I come through that storm in 1996. I came through that storm in 98. I came through another one in 2001. I came through another one last year. I came through another one the year before and I'm still here. There ought to be something in our hearts even here tonight that the Lord has helped us get through past storms and he's not going to forsake us in the storm that we're in now you, you think he's brought us this far and he's just going to leave us and so you can doubt sometimes the love of God I'll tell you something else you can doubt and that's this you can doubt the power of God and these disciples they had uh, 
they had the Lord, they, they, they saw the Lord. They saw the Lord cast out devils. They saw the Lord heal the sick. They saw him open up blind eyes. They saw him open ears that were deaf three times before it's all said and done. They're going to watch him raise somebody from the dead. That's a sermon for you, you fellas. Uh, is to look at those people that he called back from the grave and then there were some commands and uh, each one of those commands that, that's a sermon uh, those three things that were commanded there I'll move on, let you dig into that uh, later on but, but these disciples they, they had saw him in operation, they had saw his power. They they had watched him totally confound the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had watched him almost mock the scribes and the lawyers there that tried to entrap him in his words. And, and they watched that. They saw the power of God that was going on there in that part. But, but I'm going to tell you this. You can get in the middle of a storm and you can doubt the love of God. God and you can also doubt the power of God you can doubt I don't know if he's ever going to touch me again I don't know that that he's ever going to really somehow minister to me in strength and power like he has in times past and then something like this morning happens and this place was filled up with the power of God and I'm just going to tell you this, that some of those people that we prayed for, the Sims and, and, for, and for Brother Pierce, I don't mean to pick on Brother Pierce, but uh, Brother Pierce's heart, physical heart, uh, is, is I want the Lord to heal and to touch uh, him. There, there are others here, that Brother Brother Abersole and his Parkinson's disease and Sister Bailey with her Parkinson's and and I so want the Lord to minister strength to their bodies but the power of God was here this morning and, and we've just got to know that, that if the Lord has the power to cast out devils then he can stop this storm it may go on for a little bit we may be in a place where we feel panicky we may be in a place where we fear are fearful but listen if you stay faithful to the Lord he's going to draw you through that he, he's going he's gonna to help you and somehow we just have to understand that if he can raise the dead then he can come to my aid as well and then there's another one that I want to just kind of point out to you and, and uh, that's this is that sometimes that we doubt the love of God we doubt the power of God and thirdly, and this is my last point. Now don't fall over. I'm almost finished. I'm, my reputation is, is, in dire, is in a dire. You guessed here tonight, I generally preach long sermons. Um, and so we may have some of y'all to fall out tonight and we have to pray life back into you when I only preach less than 30 minutes. But anyways, let me get my message back together. And so the the third, and there's some third storm that sometimes says we can doubt the wisdom of God. And and you say, well, what, what does that 
what does that look like? Well, when you start looking at maybe some of the things that the disciples might have said, they might have said, you know what? They were not going to say this to the Lord. Just like sometimes we don't say them to the Lord, but the Lord still hears what we're having to say. Those disciples, they can say, you know what? Was it really wise for the Lord to tell us to get in this boat about the time that it's gotten dark? I mean, wouldn't it have been better for us to just wait here overnight and then in the morning we could get out and then that way we could see what was taking place? They, they probably were thinking that the morning time that or even the afternoon would have been better. Let's just wait the next day. Uh, it would have been better if. You ever said that? It, it would be better if I had a different job. It, it would be better if I had a different set of circumstances. It'd be better if I had a different setting of life. It would be better if I had a different family. It would be better if. And, and what we're doing, and we've got to be careful about this sometimes, is we're tinkering around with the sovereignty and the providence of God. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, those are huge doctrines. What is God's sovereignty? God's sovereignty means that he is in absolute control of everything. And you, you say, you, you look at the condition of this world, and that's one thing that always pops up is that, that the atheists and the critics of God will say, well, if God's so good, then how come this all this evil here? And yet Scripture says that God's using evil to work to his advantage and there's coming a day whenever we're, it's going to be just like Paul said in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good. It doesn't just mean for your life individually, for our church collectively, but it means for this entire world that God's sovereignty is completely in control. So that's what sovereignty is. Sovereignty is that God is completely in control of everything. Now, do we have free will? Yeah, we have free will. So what about this matter of providence? Well, what's that about? That's about the care of God. And uh, that's a whole different area to get into, but here's what happens with us sometimes when we start with me. I'm not going to say us. I'm going to keep you out of it, but there's times where that we say it would be different if I was here, there, etc. If I had this, if I had that, if I had the other. What, what, are, what, are, what am I doing when I do that? I'm violating Proverbs chapter 3. I'm putting, I'm putting my whole life because I'm leaning to my own understanding and I'm not acknowledging the Lord in all my ways. And so what does that do whenever I lean to my own understanding? When I don't acknowledge Him in all my ways, what does that do? That immediately takes out that first phrase of that verse there. What is it? Trust in the Lord. And so when you start leaning to your own understanding, 
then what you do is you get the cart ahead of the horse. But if I just trust, so why should I worry? And why should I fear? But but Lord, you 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 see you you're aware. Look, Lord, look at what's taking place around. Look at where I'm at, Lord. Don't you see? Yeah, I, I see. I'll never forget something Brother Arnold told me. It's been 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago now, almost 20 years ago. And Brother Arnold, we were in Sonny's Barbecue. And um, this is, I know some of you younger folks, Brother Arnold's not as, hasn't had, I would say, the impact. He's kind of one of our elder ministers and used to preach a ton of our conferences. And and uh, it's kind of like the way of all of us, we, we kind of, our age catches up with us and, and you step off the scene and somebody else comes on, that's where Brother Arnold's at. I remember Brother, Brother Arnold saying something to me years ago in Sonny's. He had his he had his Dickies, it was crazy. He had his Dickies jumpsuit on and and uh come in there with his craftsman bag and had his Bible stuff down in there and had a stenographer's pad in there and had a had a, a sermon book in there and and that Bible, some of you seen his Bible before, it's a Thompson chain that was just wore out. He'd come in there and flop that that bag down on the table and he'd just start talking. And I remember one thing he said to me years ago. He said, he said, Brother Harrelson, I got a question for you. Now, what's that, Brother Arnold? He said, Can God trust you with trouble? I'm like, what, what, what do you mean, Brother Arnold? It's like, I'm asking you, can God trust you with trouble? Can God trust you with a storm? How, how are you going to act when you get in trouble? How, how are you going to act whenever that storm is around you? And, and I'll never forget, you, it's a question that, that you hardly can even answer when it's sprung on you like that. I'm just going to tell you what, I've lived long enough now to understand that there are times where that the Lord puts us in storms not to kill us, but he puts us in storms because he's got incredible trust in what he's doing in every one of our lives, and he will drop you into a place where you feel like a pressure cooker is just going to squeeze the life out of you. But the Lord is saying, what I'm doing is I'm heating some things up in his life so I can move the dross off the top so that God can intervene and work and I can look and see my reflection in you at that place. And so we can doubt the love of God. We can doubt the power of God. We can doubt the wisdom of God. But doubt and fear never overcome the power of God. Never. It never no storm ever overcomes the power of God. There's an old hymn that was written in the 6th or 7th century and, and then around the 1860s or so, a man found it and uh, he, he translated it. And the title of that 
hymn is called Peace, It Is I. The first verse goes like this. Fierce was the wild billow, and dark was the night. Oars labored heavily, and foam glimmered white. Trembled the mariner's peril was near. And then said the God of God, peace, it is I. Ridge of the mountain wave, verse 2, ridge of the mountain wave, lower thy crest. Wail of Eurachlodon, that's a storm, be thou at rest. Sorrow can never be, and darkness it must fly, where saith the light of light. Peace, it is I. Verse 3, Jesus, deliverer, come thou to me. Soothe thou my... Can you read my own writing? Soothe thou my wafering... Over life's stormy sea, thou, when the storm of death, it roars sweeping by, whisper, O truth of truth, peace, it's I. And so I tell the church here tonight, I want us to stand. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what complication of life that you're facing right now why should I worry and why should I fear the Lord can step into that storm and he can minister life and peace and he can minister great things into every one of our hearts Lord I'm thankful God for your goodness I'm thankful Lord for the hope Lord, that your word brings to our lives. And I'm asking you, Lord, tonight, God, that every one of us here, that, God, whatever challenges, Lord, that are in our minds and in our spirits, I know, Lord, that in a congregation like this, that there are, Lord, obviously there are are family pressures. God, there are marital pressures. There's financial challenges. Lord, there's there's calamities, God, outside, Lord, in our private lives, in our jobs, Lord, and even some of our relationships, Lord, that are outside these four walls. But I ask you, Lord, tonight that you would help every one of us to know, Lord, that most importantly, Lord, you will calm the storm. You will bring strength, Lord, into our lives. Oh, Lord, but most of all, you will cast away, oh, Jesus, that curse of fear that sometimes so grips my mind and spirit. I ask you, Lord, tonight, God, that every, Lord, saint of God that's in this house, 
Lord, let, let your faith, Lord, let it overcome every bit of our fear, every bit of our worry, that somehow, Jesus, that by your hand and by your spirit, that you would save us, Lord, from the storm. I pray, Lord, that tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you'd like, I'm just going to open these altars up, and if you want to gather in and and uh, just lift your hands to the Lord and just start talking to the Lord about the burdens and the challenges of life. I'm just going to tell you this. He can hear you. He sees where you're at before you ever even open your mouth and call on His name. These altars are open here tonight.